More and more, we are realizing the true power community has to lift up the human race in so many ways. We started this show to put the spotlight on community organizations, to highlight their contributions, and to share insights on the importance of community. Every week, tune in as our host, Stu Starkey, helps raise awareness around one of the most important aspects in all of our lives. Welcome to the community of Big Hearts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the community of Big Hearts. Uh, as always, uh, we're, we're really passionate about um, making our communities a better place. And this week we are chatting with Michael and Therese from Never Alone. Uh, Never Alone is an amazing organization that um, was founded because of someone who had an experience um, that, that felt alienated through um, having cancer, through the process of um, a diagnosis and treatment. And I'm probably um, messing this up, so I'm going to turn it over to Therese and Michael to explain it uh, better than I can. Uh, Therese, Michael, welcome. Thanks so much for having us, Stu. Thank you. You guys well, want to get? I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, go ahead. This Mike. question, I guess. Um, so the founder was Lyle Bauer at the time. He was the uh, president of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was diagnosed with stage four throat cancer. Um, so one of the first things he always likes to remind people is that you know, when in doubt, get things checked out because he's one of the guys that waited. Um, and then the ensuing months, of course, brought him to cancer care for treatments. And during that time, he experienced a high level of service. He was very impressed. He thought his life would be shortened and decided to have a fundraiser in support of cancer care. Um, and, and in those suing months and years, what he found out was as he's sitting there in those waiting rooms that the uh, people that are coming in are having extraordinary challenges in their lives beyond the cancer. And that was a lot of financial issues, how to pay for parking, transportation, uh, non-covered medical costs, all the things that in a way he was privileged not to have to worry about. So his journey was maybe a little bit easier. Um, and through that, he decided to start the Never Alone Cancer Foundation. And he says, it doesn't matter who you are when you're sitting in that chair and you hear those words, you have cancer. He goes, the room goes dark. Uh, you feel very alone. And he just thought it, it's important for people to know that there are uh, an organization and people out there in the community that care who uh, are gonna try to alleviate some of those concerns. And uh, that's how we started, very small. We always say it's one person, one family at a time. How are you going to make a difference? Our standard line is one person, one family at a time. We come up with a brand new idea. A lot of people are shaking their heads. I don't know. You guys can pull that off. And we're like, well, you know what? We're going to try. It's one person, one family at a time. We'll see how that goes. I, I love that slogan, Michael. It's, um, it's so appropriate for our conversation with you. That, that's kind of where, uh, where we started and, and what we believe as well. It's like there's... Um, there's obviously big issues out there. And when you tackle or take a look at the, the entire problem, it seems overwhelming. Um, but you got to start somewhere. Why not? Like, I love that Lyle saw a problem and just said, yeah, I think I can help fix that uh, and, and started working towards it. Um, I think um, all of us, the listeners and, and us around this call have felt an alienating experience before. And it's just such a terrible feeling and then to compound that with a, a cancer diagnosis and, and treatment process, um, you know, I can't imagine it. Um, unfortunately, I, I've had um, somebody very close to me just go through the treatment process and 
finish his last treatment um, uh, just before Christmas. And so I know quite a bit about what that process is like and, and his struggles through it. So um, yeah, it, it would have been even great for him um, who's got a good support network to have the, the peer community of those that are going through it uh, to talk to and to support him. Um, it's extremely important, the peer community. Yeah, and I think, you know, you put, imagine going through all that and then you put a pandemic on top of it you know, the isolation, the fear that, you know, a lot of the patients we're working with are dealing with is it's been overwhelming. 2020 is emotionally exhausting for so many people, but imagine if you're high risk, you know, for you with a compromised immune system, COVID, you know, could be a death sentence. So we're dealing with a lot of mental health and anxiety issues on top of the cancer right now. Let's, let's dig in a little bit into kind of the, the main issues that, that people go through and feel um, through a cancer diagnosis. Um, and, and then we'll kind of talk about how you guys jump in and help. Sounds good. Well, you know, the biggest hurdle is always, to be honest, it's gonna be financial and what kind of support community they have. And then you're looking at, you know, all the things that affect a community as a whole, it's, uh, it's your education level, right? The financial level um, and Today's technology is a big one, right? So how, how do people access, how do they find support? You know, it's all great to say we can do a Zoom today, uh, but for the people that don't, how do they connect with that social worker when they can't go to the physical building anymore? How do they get to their treatments when the shuttles don't run anymore? Um, very stressful. Uh, Manitoba, huge population, you know, million whatever here, mostly centered in Winnipeg. So once again, we're excluding rural patients often. Um, if you're a rural patient, you do, may not have technology. It's really hard to navigate your way through the system to figure out where you're going to stay, how you're going to afford the cost of coming. You know, all of a sudden you're told five weeks straight radiation treatments. Well, what does that mean? Well, I would say oh, I'll, I'll go every day, no problem. But if you're living three, four hours outside of Winnipeg, now I got to think of where I'm going to stay in between. How am I going to afford that? And then if I'm there, how do I get to my treatments? Because obviously I can't drive myself because I'm not feeling well. So recently we had this woman and it was $40 for, for a cab each way, right? So also that's a massive barrier, so much so that she felt that she was going to quit. What's the point? Why, why should I go through all this just to end up maybe not even surviving, but then with a boatload of debt that I'm going to pass on to my family? That's not fair to them. And that's where we pop in and say, just take a moment. First of all, you just found us. We're the, we're the neighbors you didn't know you had. We're going to help resource, find resources to help you through this. So we'll make phone calls for that person. We'll try to figure out if we can uh, drive them. We have volunteers over during COVID uh, drive some, uh, some of the patients themselves because that was just the, the easiest, quickest way to get the change needed, right? Um, and then, of course, we provide some financial support on top of that. Um, so really, uh, what I always, you know, in my brain, I would just say, what is logical? What is reasonable? And then combine that with a an abundance of compassion to solve that issue. And, and it's different for everyone. Uh, somebody might need a conversation with us uh, at eight o'clock at night, a Facebook message, a blanket that's delivered to them personally. Uh, we have masks that we can deliver uh, over this last year. But normally, you know, in a non-COVID year, you just show up somebody's door and with a note with that blanket, um, it, you're showing them that there is this community and the person here that could be one of our volunteers that's willing to give their time 
to help you. And right away, you can see people's bodies relax a little bit, you know, all of a sudden that the fear changes into a little bit of a smile and we're complete strangers showing up at people's homes. You know, we, we sometimes sit at people's bedsides in their last weeks. And again, it's just, uh, it's transformational to, to be at that, at that moment of that person's life and to be able to affect some change. And they're just thankful, uh, for that outreach, for that listening ear. And sometimes people say, well, what would you give? And I'm like, gift of time, gift of my ear. That's all it is today. And I, and I, I don't want to minimize it by saying that's all it is today because it's so much more. Um, it's, it's uh, I imagine, kind of putting myself in those shoes, it's uh, it'd be a real sense of community, having somebody that's listening that um, has heard this before or maybe even gone through it and, um, and having that experience um, at their disposal, I'm sure gives them uh, more peace of mind. Um, yeah. Well, and interesting to note, like I volunteer at the Never Alone Foundation. And when I first met Michael and he says, you know what, we're having a, a golf event, come out and meet some of the volunteers. And I went there and I started talking and hearing every story. And that day, every person I met was started off as a client so they went through their cancer experience never alone was there to support them through their darkest days and they're like you know what i'm on the other side now and i have to give back and it's kind of that pay it forward methodology and mentality and that's why i think our volunteer team it's it's amazing right it's it's why we function the way we do place is driven by passion compassion yeah, passion and purpose. That's very powerful. Um, and and I, I didn't know that for sure, Therese, and thanks for sharing that. That's, um, again, like even more peace of mind knowing that the person that's helping you through this has gone through it. For me, I, um, you know, I, I've been uh, losing my vision for a little bit and I didn't, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where my peer network was. And it was really like quite a, an alienating um, experience because I couldn't talk to others who've gone through it and know that, you know, this is how you deal with these things. Uh, and as soon as I found a community of people who have been through something like it, it was like this weight was lifted off my shoulders. Oh no, it's going to be okay. People have done this before. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, through that experience, I know how valuable and impactful this experience must be. Um, Michael and Teresa, I'd love to know how the organization has evolved. I think you guys started in 04, you said? Yeah, Lyle always says 2004, 2005. It's just kind of that cusp of uh, over that year, like the year end of 2004, where he had his diagnosis. So just started kind of getting the treatments. So 2005 was the, the first year where they did any type of fundraiser. And like I said, that first year, he didn't really think he'd be around much past that. So the funds went to cancer care. So they did a, a big event at uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bomber Stadium um, and the funds went towards research. Um, but like I said, that was the year where as he's sitting in all those uh, waiting rooms and meeting all the people uh, and hearing stories about, well, what's, oh, I'm concerned about my throat cancer. And people are like, I'm, I'm worried about that parking today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried about how, how am I going to you know, look after my kids because I don't have benefits and I'm an hourly employee and they want me to take four months off, five months off. And, and there's Lyle thinking, uh, forgive me, I, I didn't consider that. I didn't, you know, 
yeah, I got a free parking pass today because I know a doctor at the hospital, right? I mean, um, it's just what happens in society, right? There's certain levels of privilege. Um, and that's where he said, okay, well, next year I'm going to do another event and basically we'll put some money towards research uh, in cancer care still and we'll start helping some people out. And then over the years, that portion just grew. The helping people directly grew, uh, providing people uh, memorable experiences, not just for palliative people, but just people who are going through a hard time because of their cancer treatments. Um, they're, they're falling back a little bit on what they used to do socially. So, you know, taking kids to a ball game or a hockey game, maybe it's not in your budget anymore, but that's a huge part of living. And those moments with family, the laughter, that's the driver to get through the punishing days. And Lila was really keen on that, of course, he also had the Blue Bomber Stadium as a vehicle to, to <laughs> offer to people. So when I showed up as a volunteer, you know, I'm talking to somebody who's Manitoba, true, blue, and a day on the field, like, I could walk on the field. Yeah, I could bring you and your family down to the field. Well, I feel, I, I, yeah, I said I wasn't feeling well, but that was yesterday. Saturday, I'll be there on game day, right? I mean, people can really motivate themselves through a lot when they have something to look forward to. Um, and when I saw that as a volunteer, that experience, I kind of started thinking, you know, La, we really got to start really focusing how we can help the people, the clients, we call them clients and not patients. Um, you know, the research side has a lot of money funneled to what we know is, you know, uh, people just need help today. So let's start problem solving. And when we open up the phone lines, as we like to say, uh, you know, people are phoning in with, Yep, I need help with uh, this bill, you know, and I don't know how to get there. And uh, simple as I can't get out of my driveway, it snowed, and I need to get to chemo. And I'd be like, oh, well, some volunteers will go shovel, right? Um, sometimes it was wishes, you know, um, end of life. I need, you know, we're not talking Hawaii or Disneyland, we're talking things that were manageable. I wanted to see my family, but my house is too small, my apartment's too small. Okay, we'll put you in a hotel. It was one of like one of the stories that hit me very early on, you know, we had this young woman and she just, uh, she just wandered her family around for that last period and a uh, small apartment. So I talked to a local hotel with a pool, banquet room, you know, one of the family size banquet rooms, not the massive one. Um, and she just said, you know, it was such a joy for me to be able to see the kids playing in the pool. But when I felt bad, I'd go back to my hotel room, have a little rest. I didn't stop that fun from happening. And I got to come back and join in again and then they sat down for a family meal and that was like she said that was the greatest gift you guys gave me is the ability to see that life will go on as hard as it is for me to know that my life is ending today i got to experience that you know the joy of children watching those interactions and after that moment i honestly uh, i put into motion a plan to leave my other job and mm -hmm. figure out how i could be more involved with never alone and make it grow uh, and, and solve more of those kind of challenges for people and bring people that, that, that experience. When, when did you guys both join uh, Never Alone? I showed up around 2008 uh, as a volunteer um, and just a couple events that year, 2009, a little more. And then by 2010, I was 100% uh, uh, involved in everything day to day. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm uh, so fortunate uh, that Therese walked into my life and that would have been uh, two years ago, yeah. the August of uh, 2019. Yeah, so with me, I uh, was fortunate enough to have a early retirement. And so 
initially I actually went to, to cancer care and I said, you know, this is my background. This is kind of what I'd like to do. And they were, well, that's a paying job, you know, and I was kind of like, but so then it actually uh, was my financial advisor that said, you need to meet, meet Michael at the Never Alone Foundation. So I came in and I met with Michael. And at the time, you know, it was crazy busy with client requests and trying to create fundraisers. And, you know, you hear Michael talk, he's so passionate about the work he does. And then I started and- Two I days to, later. Yeah, and <laughs> I say literally, I think it's like almost full time for me, but I'm fortunate <laughs> to be able to, to do that. And, you know, I had a wonderful career, but there's nothing as fulfilling as you know working with like you say michael said you i know i've made a difference in somebody's life i've got them like the notes some of the notes you get back is you know you got me through that dark day when i didn't have anybody to turn to you i reached out to you and you were there and you know there's we help one another and it's it's an amazing thing it's not like any organization or charity that i've ever seen before I, yeah, I mean, Teresa, I think you're, um, I think you're in general, you're describing the power of community. Um, and, and this, this one in particular is so needed by the sounds of it. Um, so good for you for joining and deciding to use your time to feel that sense of community. Um, you guys have given me so much to, to go on in so many directions. I'm trying to decide where to where to go next here, well, but uh, if I can uh, interrupt you, that's exactly some of the issues we have as an organization. People always say, well, you do know, you? what do you do? And I'm like, well, it's all ages, it's all cancers. And in, in effect, we'll, we'll try to tackle any problem because what may not seem a minor issue for that person is the Everest for that person. And through connections, talking it out, sometimes we can find solutions that may not have a cost or we cost share, or we find somebody who donates, you know, uh, like the dentures the other day we did, you know, oh, I'll, I'll reduce my fee this much, I can do that. And then if you guys pay that, and I'll add on a year of, you know, adjustments for that person, well, that's great. Uh, my other favorite one is, how can we help that person to help themselves over the coming months or years? So, you know, men who have incontinence because of prostate cancer, um, they, they don't know that they could have gone for physiotherapy or maybe they couldn't <laughs> afford it to go to physiotherapy. And then you talk to the physiotherapist who's like, you know, if they do three to five treatments, they could have like 60, 70, 80%, you know, um, improvements, but they're not coming. Well, why? Well, that initial appointment is $110. Well, who wouldn't want to help out somebody for $110 if they would, you know, be able to stop that incontinence, right? So he's going to be shown exercises to help himself in the, in the months and the years to come. So we are just like that initial little vehicle to get that started. And, and to me, that those are the incredible moments. And, and I'm, I'm utilizing, you know, the specialty of a physiotherapist and, um, you know, we're all, what you're saying, you know, we're all working Everything together. people in the community. Um, th those are the days I'm just like so thankful for, for the gift of Lyle's loose guidelines. Are, <laughs> you know, I, I was really admiring that, that Michael, in um, listening to your stories and, and hearing um, how creative that you guys get to be to solve the problems. A lot of organizations have strict guidelines and probably for good reasons for them. But you guys um, are using what sounds like your strong skill set in just solving problems as they come 
And I actually want to tie that into a couple other points I'm trying to get out here is that I love the, the origins of Lyle getting started in this and using his, his resources and infrastructure to solve a problem. Yeah. And that's what we're about the community of big hearts is we think that's the best way to give. That's the best way to leverage your giving is using something that doesn't have a cost or has way less of a cost um, to you than it would be to um, cost out with, through a service. So he's used the, 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 the bomber stadium, as you said, to create joy and bring families together through this time that um, they're really feeling quite alone. So I, I love that. And I love that you guys are leveraging your uh, network and your community uh, for people who have gone through this, who are really passionate about it and want to give back. And like Therese is a perfect example of a volunteer who's coming and having huge impact, but also getting a return herself. It's, it's a win, win, win. That's um, really amazing. And I am um, such a fan of what you guys are doing and how much impact you're having for, I imagine, little resources um, for how much impact you guys have. Well, resource, we, Michael's our executive director and we have Kathy who is our part-time office manager and the rest are volunteers, including myself. So, so again, one and a half, I so guess you'd it, say. So in 2019, just to you know, put, put some numbers behind it, we had uh, about 340 people reach out to the foundation for help that year. Um, so that's a lot. And every request is a little different. So like I said, it could be spending time on the phone. It could be redirecting them to a resource they just didn't know was you know, there for them. Um, so that could be a connection. Um, it could be really intricate ones where we're almost talking to them every second day over months. Um, and, and some people have stayed with us for years. They still want to reach out and that's okay. And then we also have this thing we, we call our day away program. That's kind of what I alluded to. The very, you know, the, in my initial, um, exploration of never alone was going to that bomber game with some families and just hosting them and seeing them enjoy that so this this program grew into this day away program so once again how do we afford to do that i don't know we can't so you know here in winnipeg is the gold eyes and there are a lot of people who didn't want the tickets uh the the, the moose um you know once the jets were here we hear about people leaving their sweet tickets unused so <laughs> You know, I'm trying to figure out how do I get a hold of that company? Who who owns those? Who has those tickets? And all of a sudden, somebody's like, "Yeah, here's 20." Um, <laughs> our office happens to be in this building with the company. Was like, "Yeah, we routinely have 20 tickets that just get wasted." I'm like, "Yes, please." <laughs> so then I'm coordinating. I say to a family who's been affected by cancer, "Would you like to go?" Well, yes. How many? How many of us can go? I'm like, "Well, who's your group? Who's your yeah. family?" And that could be your best friend that's been driving you appointments or just picking up the phone or bringing you groceries. I said, that that's your family during this. I can bring, you know, my buddy, Bob. Yeah, you can bring Bob and your wife and your kids. All of a sudden, can I get eight tickets? Yeah, today we can make that happen. And because that was free, then we were able to find, you know, uh, donors and sponsors who would help, help us pay for some food there. Because of course, that's another big cost if people go to these things and you know, your burgers, $10. So we just make some like light snacks available, but that's enough for them to feel like, you know, this is a great quality experience. And then we have a volunteer that participates just to say, you know what, if somebody's unsure, sometimes somebody's alone, like actually goes by themselves. Um, that person can sit with my volunteer and they chit chat. Maybe they find out a little bit more about the story. And that year we did oh, just over 400 tickets to events. <laughs> so between 
theater, theatrical, um, so plays, music, uh, musicals, bomber games, jet games, you know, this wide variety. And, you know, that year we even determined that there was a group of rural Manitobans at a, an apartment downtown Winnipeg for their medical treatments. So you imagine you're from the country and now you're downtown Winnipeg in a condo with no balcony. And I was talking to a couple of my clients there and they were pretty demoralized. And I said, well, how about a picnic? And the people that ran that place said, yeah, that would be great. But how do we, how do we do this? Oh, I'll phone a, phone a bus company that's helped us with an event and see if they can, you know, provide a bus. We know some musicians, so maybe they can play in the park and of course get the right permits with the city. And then at a golf tournament, our hot dog vendor was extraordinary man. Uh, he was fantastic. And for the ad event, of course, he, he there was a fee and I'm okay with that. But through discussions about what we were doing, he just said, if you ever need anything, Michael, give me a call. Well, <laughs> I'm calling a little quicker than you probably expected. <laughs> but here's my idea. I want to pick up all these people from this, this uh, condo. They're all in medical distress and here for treatments. We're going to take them to a park in the city. You're going to provide them hot dogs, chips, and a beverage. I'm going to have chairs out there. I'm going to have musicians play. The kids can play. Well, I have like, you know, different ladder ball things. And it's just a two to three hour break from that situation. Um, and they're like, how, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm like, that's it. That's the plan. <laughs> Roll up, load them up, have volunteers, hot dog guys there. And uh, I got to tell you, even though it rained a little bit at the end, it was just a spectacular day. Um, and, well, and everybody left with a huge smile. Let me... Uh... I'll just put this offer out there and, and you can call me out on this anytime, even right now. Uh, Two Soul Man will definitely be a vendor that uh, will, will help out. Um, well, that's it. amazing. Well, yeah. we even have the story of a mover. Oh, no kidding. Well, Let's hear it. John? Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, obviously I like to chit chat and, and uh, so many people resonate that I meet over this journey with uh, Never Alone. Um, a gentleman named John called us and really his need, what, you know, can you help? This is what I need. His need was a, a walker. He was uh, pancreatic cancer, not a good diagnosis. He was having troubles getting from the, the, the taxi cab to the, uh, to his treatments. Um, and that was his, that's what he needed. All right. You know, I happen to have one here, John, I'm going to come down and bring it to you. So no problem. We're talking like 24 hours. I mean, it's here. Why not? Let's get it to him, right? Mm -hmm. So I show up at his place, and first thing I notice is that the walls are all bare. Things are half packed up. His wife is there, very, very distraught. And John actually had no pants on, and he's sitting there in a chair because he has a hard time getting dressed. Um, but of course, I got my blanket with me that I bring to almost all our clients, and that's just a symbol of this new community that you have, the community of Never Alone. Um, so he puts that around his waist. And uh, we start I have his walker and I just said, so what's, what's going on here, John? He goes, well, when I pass, she won't be able to afford this course. So my goal is to pack it up and move before I pass. And we've hit some roadblocks. I'm like, so what are those? And he's like, well, I, I just physically can't do this. I haven't found a place yet. And I'm like, so what is, what is the place that you want to get into? And what's the price difference, right? Because we're coming up to the end of the month. So you're stressed out because of October's rents coming up. He's like, well, it's about $180 difference. So I'm like, today I will give you $180. So now you don't need to worry about November, right? So now we just erase that. That's gone. I said, how would you feel if I brought in some 
really kind volunteers, some boxes, some sh you know packing materials, and we just kind of spent some time with you, just helping you organize. And he just said, "Well, that, that would be great. Well, how how long does that take you?" And I'm like, "Well, tomorrow or the next day." Like I mean, once again, we can do this fairly fast. I said, "John, you know, there's no music here. There's no TV." He's like, "Yeah, I had to cut the cable off." And uh, I don't know how we segue to it. He goes. Oh, you know, I, when I used to be a truck driver, I'd come home and we'd watch Family Feud together and we would laugh. That was like the funniest thing. I said, you know, what if we got your cable back on? And I said, I, I know I'll, I'll work with Shaw on whatever bill you have, but let, you know, these are your final weeks and months. Wouldn't that be nice just to be able to, to instead of just sitting in this kind of stark room, um, just have that laughter again? And he said, yeah, if you can pull that off, but don't, you know, I'd rather have the move. You know, and I said, okay, well, we're going to talk, try to do it all. And that's where the, that's where the conversations start going. The phone calls are being made. Volunteers start rallying. And, uh, you know, we, we worked on that. And, you know, his decline was rapid. And it was actually the very next week where uh, we were almost done packing everything. And he called me over to his bedside. And at this point, he was just in his bed. And he just said, will you be here next week? And I looked around. I said, I think we're pretty much done. And I looked back at him. And then, of course, I went, I understand what you're saying. I said, I'll be here next week. And uh, we embraced a little bit. And uh, that was like on a Thursday and he passed on Saturday. And then I showed up again the following week to uh, to make sure that his wife was all set up for her move to her next place and things were in order. And uh, you know, that's the story of John, John Cullen what was his yeah. name. I gotta say that's, uh, those kind of stories are, are tough to hear. Uh, they're so emotional. Um, yeah, you probably can tell. I mean, I, I'm transported immediately into his space, and uh, he was a yeah. giant of a man. Um, and this is, you know, earlier we talked about this is the trouble with Never Alone, trying to get the word out to people because we're dealing with so many different things, right? So what is it you do that day? I'm like, well, it wasn't just the medical device. It was the opportunity to meet him, connect with them, and then find out, you know what, there are other things in his life right now that are a barrier to, you know, just because this is end of life doesn't mean it has to be a... a a dreadful end of life, right? There yeah. can be some joy or, or joyful moments in there. So how can I facilitate that? And without getting into a place, and that's difficult during COVID um, and having those conversations. But somebody said to me, well, why, why didn't you just drop off the, the walker? You wouldn't have those other challenges and expenses. And you're like, well, is that your mandate? I'm like, my mandate? And I don't think we said this earlier, to improve the lives of people affected by cancer. That is like the shortest, most concise part that I can yeah. say about never alone. So if it falls into that, then we're going to try. Well, and that's what I think makes never alone so unique is it's not a one size fits all. It's connecting with each and every person that reaches out and what's their need. And, you know, that's where it's never the same thing twice because everybody's got a unique end of life story or wish or challenge that they're trying to overcome. So it, it does, it takes a community to solve these issues. And we're fortunate to have, you know, some really well-connected people within the community and then always meeting people like you, Stu, and like an offer to, you know, with movers, I can guarantee you it's going to come up again, like John, and we'll be calling. <laughs> Good. Yeah, we, we look forward to it. We, we do programs like this all the time. And, and you guys are an organization that we'd be uh, overjoyed to, uh, to donate our, our services to. Um, so yeah, we look forward to that phone call. Um, I want to start uh, wrapping it up here. I, I want to ask 
Um, a, a couple more questions. Um, how can we help? What's what's what can the community do for Never Alone to help leverage what you guys are doing? Well, I mean, in the last year in particular, COVID's been tough for us, right? We've had because. I guess we're a little bit old school. We had traditional fundraisers, right? Like golf tournaments and poker for a purpose. And so that all went to the wayside uh, with COVID. So, you know, I just started writing grants, reaching out to organizations, because there are some people that have done well, like Kinsman was wonderful. Right before Christmas, we did our hope for the holidays. They came through with a very generous grant for us. It was able, we were able to double the number of families we helped. And like you say, being able to have those connections and, you know, you may not think yourself, like I'm sure you never thought, you know, your company was a service provider for cancer patients, but anything that you can do to help out, like it, and for us, because it's such unique personalized service, being able to connect with businesses within, you know, our community that can help us out is huge. And even like I say, with our sponsorships, different events, like we, that's something that we've learned through this pandemic and, you know, be able to keep the lights on and the doors open is we need to connect with more businesses within our organization and share with them the work and the need that is in their community. And, you know, you can't talk to a single person that's not impacted by cancer, right? Totally. And so... I mean, I've like had offer, right whether obviously you know donations those kind of things are always important getting connected to other businesses that may may you know want to participate at an event right and through that they get to meet other businesses in the community and through that you know they're maybe they're uh, you know they're networking so that benefits them and providing us some funding that's great when somebody like you offers you know put us on that list should that happen and I always say to people we're not going to call, like if a dentist says to me, I'll help you out, but don't call me every week. I'm like, no, don't worry about it. And, I, and also, you know what? I'm very acutely aware that that person has costs to their right. businesses. So somebody says to me, you know, we can donate a bouquet of flowers this month, but don't call me next month. I'm like, okay, I understand. And we never would do that. Right. Um, so sometimes people say, well, put me on the list for uh, a year ago. It was um, a gutter cleaning company. He was just starting out. He goes like, I don't know if I could be a value. And I said, you know what? You're gonna, you're gonna think I'm making this up, but I, I've been working with a woman who's single. She has breast cancer and had a double mastectomy, which means she's not allowed to do a lot of movement. I was at her house and she's got trees, like small trees growing up, right? So her husband had passed and now her house is in disrepair. So how can we boost her spirit? So we've done what we need to do. So she's on the path to wellness, but for her coming home, everybody would feel the same way. You know, uh, the windows are a little dirty, the gutters, so he's like, I will clean her gutters, I will wash her windows, and I said, I will put a post on the social media for you to, you know, announce that your company is now up and running. And I think that's a like that's a beautiful community win-win, right? And she phoned me and she goes, he was exceptional. He even came inside and did them, right? And you're like, well, this is fantastic, right? So he had good, you know, a good testimonial built in for his new business, and I had a very happy client who went, this is what you guys do time and time again. My expectations were here because I needed this. And then you listen, you saw, and you reacted, and you delivered so much more. And I'm like, that's what we want to do every time. Yeah, what we'll do, uh, Michael and Therese, is we'll make sure we spread the word to our network. Um, because it sounds like it, it takes all kinds to support um, those in need, your clients, um, to provide that joy and comfort sometimes in their last days. Um, I also, I'm certain I have another volunteer 
for your organization um, that will be uh, really happy to help those in need. Um, and uh, last question for you guys is, is I want to ask, um, just end this on, on a real uh, joy note, is what's the kindest thing that anyone has done for Never Alone? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, I would say, you know, we had a woman who outlook was not very promising. Um, she had, she was feeling she was so left out. And when I phoned around, it was just one of those incredible weeks where every phone call I met, the, the answer was yes. So when, when she came into this very office and she's hobbling, I'm like, what's, you know, I, that's not, I know that's not where your cancer is. What's going on there? I got such a bad ingrown toe. I phoned a podiatrist and they're like, yeah, send her down. I'll help you out, Mike. And um, she's like, you know, like, how do you spend your nights? And she's like, oh, it's so hard because I said, well, when my mom was palliative, she read a lot at night. She goes, I can't, my eyesight's changed. I, I, I can't afford glasses. And I'm like, well, let's get that squared away. I phoned someone. They're like, I oh, will see her today, Mike, you know? Um, and all of a sudden everybody's just pitching in and, uh, you know, we got her some dentures at work. We got her some glasses. And she just said, I can have people visit me. I can see them. I can smile. And, you know, those are the, the gifts that all these people have thought, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm just doing this one little part. And you put that all together. And to, to me, it was one of really one of the most life-changing experiences because I just realized uh, you don't always need to, it doesn't need to be a new car or a vacation, right? I mean, class, you understand it with vision. Um, um, she was just so thankful. And we spent, you know, time together up to the very end. And, uh, she became a friend in this short period of time, right? Um, those are the days where I just, uh, you know, I just love what I do, and I'm so thankful for the the, the community because I can't do it without them. Yeah. <laughs> Quite honestly, right. right? I don't have the expertise in all those areas, so. I really appreciate uh, you guys sharing Neverland's story and your story. Um, I'm really looking forward to the, the community and the listeners to contribute and help out and make our community closer and stronger. Thank you so much for joining us on this Community Spotlight. If you're a volunteer or leader who knows of someone or is someone contributing in your community, we want to hear from you. Go to communityofbighearts.com and click the Nominate tab and let us know who they or you are. We look forward to speaking with you. Thank you again for tuning into the Community of Big Hearts. <laughs>